This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. You don't usually suspend a mayoral campaign uh, because of the threat of violence. And look, is political violence taken more seriously than violence? Not sure it isn't. I think we could have a conversation about whether it should be or not, but I don't doubt it's harrowing. I don't doubt it was concerning. And to sum up the story once again, yesterday, around 11 o'clock or so, um, the Toronto mayoral campaign was disrupted by what they deemed a security threat. And I don't know the genesis of this. I guess if I had one question about the, the timeline, what happened at this public location? Toronto police put a press release out Thursday afternoon and said around quarter to 11 yesterday, officers got called to a location near Greenwood Avenue um, in East York, near Mortimer Avenue. So you're in East York around 1045. Call the officers. A man had, quote, made threatening remarks about shooting Toronto mayoral candidates and brandished what appeared to be a firearm. They got that guy uh, into custody. I'm sure he won't make bail. Um, So they'll keep him, I'm sure, until they deem it necessary to have him get to trial. And then we'll see what happens from there. The man's 29. He's from Toronto. He's not from out of town. Junior Francois Lavagese. And he was arrested on Thursday night. Police are going to give us a lot more details today. But I was saying earlier how we can say, well, you know, the threat of political violence is not it doesn't have much of a history in Toronto. I'll buy that. I'll buy that to some extent. I mean, I asked around. I asked two former mayors last night. I asked former um, city councilors who had never really seen a day like yesterday where it's the, the cops felt it incumbent to inform as many candidates as they could. Look, there's a threat against basically everybody running for mayor. This isn't I'm going to get this person and that person. It's I'm going to shoot a mayoral candidate. Well, it just so happens this year. That's over 100 people. So what do you do? And I think it's I think two interesting things about this. One, police didn't tell candidates to suspend all activities. They didn't say not to. They didn't say to do so. Like this, this was deemed a blanket threat from Toronto Police Services. Now, they canceled the debate last night. That's probably the that's probably the sensible thing to do. But I think even though I say and the second thing is, even though I say there's not much of a threat, a, a history of threats here in the city of Toronto. And even if I say I can't think of anything similar where I've lived before, where there's been, you know, a moment where something like this has happened. Um, that doesn't mean you can't take it credibly. And I'll tell you why, because we have gotten hung up on and, and I'm saying for the right reasons, um, some incidents that have happened Christopher Freeland in the hotel lobby getting into the elevator. You remember that large, threatening, hulking guy. And uh, and it's one of those things where I, I didn't like the feel of that whatsoever. Um, Freeland wouldn't. I didn't like the idea that, you know, Freeland's in the elevator. There's two of her staffers and the staffers are actually closer to the gentleman than the other way around. Um, there's a lot I didn't like about it, but she clearly would have been physically threatened. I would have been physically threatened by that guy. It was a thing. There's no question. It was a thing. He basically confronted her and said, what are you doing in Alberta? Um, so it's, it's, and Jugmeet Singh, I think about that as well, who had somebody walking around 
walking around Ottawa beside him, and you could tell it was a little bit uncomfortable. It was it was a little bit uncomfortable uh, in terms of in terms of the case. So I don't want to dis- diminish this, and yet at the same time, it it, it kind of threw things for um th- threw things for a loop yesterday. We'll see what the what the mayoral candidates feel about getting out there today. Again, canceling the debate, probably the right move. But there is something different in the air, in the water supply, whatever. And it's even come, there's been new funding from the R- for the RCMP to expand their protection services for senior federal ministers. I remember the Friday before the first arrival of the Freedom Convoy, and I think we talked to NDP MP Charlie Angus, and he was worried that addresses and um, names of family members had been acquired by members of the convoy. Now, you're going to stop me right there and go, Greg, some of the threats of, of violence were exaggerated by people that disagreed with the right to protest. I'm going to agree with you there. So you don't have to you don't have to convince me. I'm going to agree with you there. A lot of not the coverage, but a lot of perspective on the convoy was was political in nature, was ideological in nature. I think reporters did the best job they could the vast majority of them. And I think the vast majority of people there to protest wouldn't have put their hands on anybody, wouldn't have threatened anybody's life, wouldn't have been doing all these things they were accused of, you know, yelling at at, at, at people in Ottawa, um, spitting on the sidewalk, doing whatever they were accused of doing. But I do, th- I, I, I hope that post-pandemic, though you still might be angry about the pandemic, and I think the pandemic has fried some circuits. I don't think there's any question about that. I do not think there's any question that we're dealing with a lot of mental health issues simply from the pandemic, simply from restrictions, simply from some of the things that occurred during it. But I would make the case during the pandemic, as I would now, people have to people have to have their autonomy to be to be free to go where they are. Politicians can't be threatened. Politicians, you can't show up in their driveway either. We had this incident obviously happen with a few different politicians. It's no good. You cannot have that. We'll never get good people in politics if people are worried about um, people demonstrating on their lawn or showing up in their driveway looking for a quote-unquote conversation. Here's the premier of the province, Doug Ford, kind of in the midst of the pandemic. I think this is in early 2021, making his plea to say you can protest politically, but you got to stop coming to my house on the weekends. What I'm asking the the, the protesters for, they, they show up. My house every every Saturday morning. This this is not about me. I'm out of there. I'm not. I'm not there. It's about. I got the best neighbors in the entire world. They're they're absolutely amazing people. But my street is packed with little kids. And when protesters show up at ten in the morning every Saturday, the kids don't go out and play, and they're always on the street playing road hockey. Uh, my neighbors. They're frustrated, and as for my my neighbors, they didn't they didn't sign up for this. I signed up for it. I signed up to be the premier. God bless them. They want to protest. Please just come down to Queens Park. Don't scare the kids in, in neighborhoods because you are scaring them. I mean, where's the lie? Isn't that heartfelt? Isn't that honest? Isn't that somebody being accountable and asking people protest? Email me. Call my office. Come to Queens Park. Stay out of the neighborhoods. Don't threaten people's lives. Don't say, like again. This could be a totally 
a, a totally a moment that's it's just a person who's awfully troubled, who's awfully unsettled, who shouldn't be walking the streets. Okay. We talk about second chances. I'm not terribly willing to give a second chance to somebody who says, I'm going to shoot mayoral candidates today. I'm not, I'm not ter- terribly into that idea. We just um, decided not to put somebody in jail who threw gravel at the prime minister in London, Ontario, in the 2021 election campaign. We have a great country. I think it's important that our politicians can walk down the street and talk to people and we can disagree on things and we can have different principles. You can even say your values aren't mine. Mine aren't yours. You can say these things. But yesterday's kind of a bad day, a bad day when something like that happens and we shut down a mayoral campaign. Again, I tell you if I could remember this happening for 10 entire years of living in the United States and I can't. I can't. I know it's more of a gun culture. I know it's more gun violence. I know all that. But we've got a little something in the water supply, and we need to figure out if we can rectify the concept of getting it out. It was pretty scary yesterday for these candidates. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Monday will come around. It inevitably does. And it'll be three weeks away from our mayoral by-election, June 26. Please do go out and vote. And our next guest is a candidate for mayor, current city councilor. And he and I think every um, every possible uh, mayoral candidate went through something that nobody would wish upon any of them or their families or their staff or any variation thereof. He is Josh Madlow. Josh, thanks for coming back on Toronto today. We appreciate it on uh, short notice. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Yesterday was, how would you describe it? Jarring, concerning? Um, what was it like for you emotionally? Uh, all of that. Uh, it was It was very sad. Um, you know, we were... Uh, very as as I've been like literally every hour from early morning till night uh, for the past several weeks, we were working very hard on the campaign, and uh, then I then I uh, got a call from uh, corporate security at City Hall to tell me that there was a suspect on the loose who had uttered death threats to mayoral candidates uh, and was was uh, potentially armed. Um, so, um, you know, the the next step that that uh, that I you know, that I thought was obvious to take is just to make sure that um, we reached out to organizers of public events that I was uh, expected at to advise them of the situation, to let them know that I shouldn't be at their events, given uh, the potential risk to public safety. I'd also recommend that they not go ahead with them if they're hosting other mayoral candidates, given given the risk to the public. Uh, and then, of course, just, you know, make sure that, uh, that, that, our, that our staff and our campaign were safe. And I had to make a difficult call to Melissa, my wife, to uh, just let her let her know the situation. Uh, and we've, as you know, we've got a ten-year-old daughter at home too. So mm-hmm. it was a difficult day. Uh, it was a sad day. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I am happy to to tell you that um, that late last night, uh, I'm sure you're aware, mm-hmm. uh, the police did announce that they had apprehended the suspect. Um, and I'm very grateful to them. I'm very grateful to to corporate security at City Hall. Um, and I, I must say, I'm very saddened about the story of this young man who was the suspect. I actually, I read an article in the in the Globe and Mail about him, and and he seems like you know, somebody who, who does have a lot of potential in his life, but has gone through a lot of trauma. And I'm very sad that that, that this this is you know, this is where he's at in his life too. 
I had a city councilor tell me yesterday that a former city councilor say, like, there are threats. Anybody in the public eye is going to get, you know, a nasty email, going to get something that's sort of, you know, left out there for you to interpret. So those happen. Those happen. Um, And they're more serious. They're more serious than we'd like to believe. But he said seeing the police issue a public statement, name a suspect. He'd never seen that. Had you? Yeah, like over over the years, I've had like I think like, like most people in public life and public office, I've received some very very uh, disturbing emails and social media and you know things that certainly have um, come to the attention of of the police and even you know and, and corporate security at city hall, but but nothing to this level um, to you know obviously to to hear from uh, from from. From security at City Hall, that there that there that there really is a, a suspect on the loose who who may be armed and has said that they want to kill those of us who are running for mayor, uh, is 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 obviously a, 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 something that just needs to be taken seriously. Um, the reality is is that everyone did, uh, and the police did their jobs really well yesterday, and they apprehended the suspect within hours. Um, uh, corporate security uh, kept me. Um, in the loop about what was going on, they were proactive. They were supportive, um, uh, and I, 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 I do believe that everybody did their jobs really well. And you know, different campaigns reacted in different ways, but certainly, I feel uh, very good about the steps that we took. And I'm very proud of the organizers. That we, you know, we were supposed to be at a debate last night, and they did the right thing. They did the responsible mm-hmm. thing. Uh, to to uh, to shut that down because of the risk to public safety, which really needed to be the most important concern beyond the politics, beyond everything else. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I was concerned about as well is that it was, there was an interruption to our local democracy. Uh, debates are a critical part of that, and and that's why um, uh, we're going to work very closely mm-hmm. both with the organizers of that uh, debate and the other campaigns to make sure that we can reschedule that if possible, because okay. the public should have the opportunity to, to hear all the candidates. Josh Mallow is our guest on Toronto Today. Does this embolden, reemphasize just the importance of our police? I know you've bristled at people painting you as anti-police i get why because law enforcement has so many layers of conversation and nuance there's who should we send here and when there's siu there's so many different levels of it but i remember i remember yesterday seeing the picture and thinking this will get settled very quickly and it did and we're getting that even even the firecracker kid on the ttc like our law enforcement are are getting people quickly accused of really important violent crimes or potentially violent crimes yeah, well, I, I actually, I think this whole debate about sort of pro or anti-police is just, it's not, it's not intelligent. It's about sort of actions. It's about budgets. And we should have a thoughtful discussion about where we put resources. I, um, you know, I, I uh, like, I, I think the police should be supported to do the good work that the police do. I also believe that we need to be investing in helping kids who are going through trauma, who, you know, communities that need supports. We need to have, you know, I, I just, ironically, I just made an announcement just the other day about uh, yesterday, in fact, about how uh, we need to invest uh, into into kids who, who really could take the wrong path uh, mm-hmm. in life and that they need opportunities to succeed because if they are safe and healthy, uh, our communities are safer and healthier as well. Both are true. Uh, but, you know, the debate over sort of, you know, should somebody be pro or anti-police, I think it's just nonsensical. Uh, but we should have a debate about how to use our resources well so that the police are supported for the good work they do and we make sure that there are, you know, experts on the ground, for example, in the TTC, 
to uh, you know who, who who have the training to identify people with the potential of violence and de-escalate them. We need all of that. Do you add security? If, if offered more security, would you accept it? It's nothing anybody wants to have to do, but would you feel a, an emphasis that, that you want to be more secure with your team? During the incident yesterday, certainly. Um, when, when there was you know, somebody at large who may have been armed and, and threatening to, to kill mayoral candidates, of course, that's only, that's only uh, responsible. But, I, but you know, one of the things I love about this city and this country is that unlike other places in the world, politicians don't typically walk around with a massive security detail. I, I really appreciate that I can stand in front of a subway and chat with residents and be on, you know, be on the bus and just sit with people and talk with people. And that's, that's what we should be able to do. And, you know, when, when I'm at a big debate, I, I should be more worried about just speaking well and doing my job well, rather than if somebody is in the room who's going to threaten us. Like, now, I know that's always a potential, but you know, I don't want a society where we're living our lives sort of just, you know, covered with security yeah. detail. That being said, though, when when there is a, a moment like yesterday where it was necessary, well, of course, 100 percent. Yeah, I, I know people that watched your, your Daily Bread Food Bank debate and they didn't know uh, who Kevin Clark was. So when Kevin goes on the yeah. stage, I know for all of you, by the way, as you know, I, I think you, for, for, for people who didn't see it, you were the one candidate that prevented the uh, the curtain from falling down on everybody. So, uh, you know, I don't know if, yeah. if there's some pro-curtain voters out there. But in all, in all seriousness, like I know yeah. I know for you and others, you, people might say, oh, well, that's just Kevin. But it alarmed people that didn't know who he was and didn't know if he had a weapon and didn't know what was how what the end result was going to be there. Not. Like it's jarring, right? Uh, it is. Um, it is. It, it's hard to explain, sir, but at that moment, I think you just need to really consider, like, what what is the reality and what, what is the best way to address it? Mm-hmm. Now, with Kevin Clark, um, you know, I've seen his behavior escalate over the past several weeks. Uh, but he's also known to us. He's, he's sort of perennial candidate um, uh, for, for many, many years. And I, well, I, I know he's not, I mean, it's clear that he's not well. I didn't feel as though I was in uh, imminent danger with him. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday, um, knowing that there was somebody who I who I, I didn't know, and uh, I was told that he had uttered death threats and he was armed, um, you need to take precautions. But it wasn't just it wasn't just for me or any of the other candidates. <clears throat> if I had shown up at a public event yesterday and campaigned as though it was business as usual, I would have put other people at risk if he had shown up perhaps seeking me or another candidate and the public had been in the crossfire. So that's why, you know, in any situation in life in general, I think you just need to address what is the reality, what are the risks, and then take the, 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 you know, the steps and the actions that are, that are responsible. Josh Mallow's our guest. Last thing for you on Toronto today, yeah. uh, this morning on 640 Toronto, we're three weeks out as of Monday. Uh, I know you'll get back to policy and platforms and potential debates later on today, mm-hmm. but, but taking a, yes. a 50,000 foot lens out at how things are, how are you feeling about your chances to win? I feel really, really optimistic. I, I feel very, very good. Um, we're, you know, I'm, I'm always polling. I mean, and, you know, listen, you can take the polls with a grain of salt, and you can also sort of figure out sort of if they're a snapshot at that moment or if, uh, if a campaign is affiliated with one or all that kind of stuff. But I've always consistently polled in the top three. I know Olivia is well ahead. I mean, that's just reality. Um, but, you know, 
there's a ceiling on that, as there is with Merck Saunders. And I feel very, very optimistic that we have a lot of room to grow uh, as a lot of people just even wake up to the fact that there is an election. A lot of people are just tuning in. And I'm very, very excited about getting out there, working hard and making sure that, you know, keep people hear our message. And just as importantly, uh, they tell me what their message is as far as what they want me to do on their behalf. And, and I'm really excited to be able to focus on making sure that, yes, this is a safer city as we as mm-hmm. we as we needed to talk about, uh, but also an affordable city and one that works with services that we can rely on. I think uh, I thank you for the time. I know we here at 640 Toronto uh, look at you, your family, your staff, all the candidates, uh, family and staff. We had empathy for you yesterday and, and we're, we're glad we think we can move right back to uh, what's been a, a exciting campaign so far. So thank you for the time today. You too, anytime. And thanks for that. Josh, Josh Matlow joining us, mayoral candidate uh, for your vote, June 26th. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. The mayoral uh, debate canceled last night. A suspect in custody who threatened mayoral candidates. It was deemed as a blanket threat. All on the first day of Pride Month. We've got Pride Weekend, of course, next weekend in the city. Um, and we talked to our next guest about Hanlon's Point as well. So we, we got a lot of ground we want to cover uh, with our next guest. He is Travis Myers, and he's back with us on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Travis, thanks very much for the time. Loved having you on last time. I know we talked uh, probably a couple weeks ago. Time just feels like that true detective type flat circle. But we appreciate you coming back on. Thanks so much. No problem. And uh, I, I did want to just touch, uh, like you said, on the news of the mayoral debate being canceled mm-hmm. due to those safety threats last night. And my heart really goes out to all the candidates and nobody. And I mean, nobody deserves to be made to feel unsafe that way. It's a really a horrible thing. Uh, and the reason I bring it up is because that type of feeling of unsafety, that, that feeling of fear is something that queer people in the city are feeling more and more these days. Well, I, and I, I, not to counter it, but I would ask you, do you look and go, the way I, I view it is I've heard people say, oh, you know, we're going backwards. This is a problem. I think there's four more people on the right side, the proper side, let's say, of the big issues than ever before. It, Travis, the problem to me is the fringe. They're emboldened. They're sometimes organized. They can stay anonymous. That was harder to do 15, 20 years ago. So that's not justifying it. I watched some of the vitriol and the discourse and the threats, and it's awful. Um, do, like, is that a, is that a fair statement on my part that more people are on the right side of issues of equality, love who you want, be who you want, but the fringe seems emboldened somehow. And I, I, I love that. I love that feeling. And I think that, you know, for all your listeners, I hear the good ones, you know, if you don't have hate in your hearts, I love you guys. Um, but I think what we are seeing is, uh, that, that, that fringe exists and it's somehow bleeding a bit more over into the middle ground. We, we saw a school board take a stance against representing its LGBT students the other day. We saw a major player for the Blue Jays tweeting out or posting homophobic garbage online. Every single day, it seems like there is a new story across Canada of a pride flag being torn down, burned, vandalized, people being assaulted, people being harassed, bigoted statements, intolerance. And it does feel like this is a rising wave, and it hasn't been like this for the last few decades. So when you say that we're going backwards... I think that there, there is a feeling that, you know, we, we have slipped backwards a little bit. And there are a lot of people who do have love in their hearts who are, I think, on, on the correct side of history on, on the issue of, uh, of acceptance mm-hmm. and tolerance. And it's just a matter of figuring out what exactly is going on that, uh, you know, that this intolerance is, uh, has airtime now in 2023. Travis Myers, our guest on Toronto Today. Well, I know why it gets airtime, because everybody like this is 
this is to some extent social media. So everybody's kind of got their own talk show um, in, in a way, right? And and whether you know some of them, we wish we could cancel after two days. I I find you brought up Anthony Bass. I find his views repugnant. But we're seeing that reverb effect of asking athletes to be spokespersons for causes. I, I Here's two men talking, you and me. I, I think it's impossible to get 30, 40, 60 men on the same page on any issue. Now, now, it's not an issue. It's homophobia. I got that. I understand that. My concern is, if we're being honest, a small number of 50, 60 men will be homophobic. And, we're, and it sucks. But we're asking them to pretend not to be. And I hate that. I hate that I have to be that honest about it. Yeah, and I think there's always going to be people who, uh, you know, who don't see things through the same lens. That That's life. You yeah. know, that there's, no one's going to have the exact same set of values for everything. But I think that what people have been pushing for for a very long time is saying that uh, acceptance and tolerance, that's a value that is pretty standard. That's, uh, that's clutch. That's par for the course. And it seems like, uh, you know, and I, I do think that there's a lot of ways to explain and apologize for the ways that people might come to feelings uh, around LGBT people that aren't right, in my opinion, but they're understandable based on whatever worldview that they have and whatever explanations they make for themselves. And I, I'm a strong proponent for finding ways to have those dialogues and be able to engage with people on their terms in order to change minds and change hearts. And I, I don't think that, you know, uh, wagging fingers and demanding this, that is the best way to go about it however i think you need to weigh people's uh people's opinions against other people feeling unsafe feeling harmed being harmed actively um and figuring out what what the right balance is there so you know should people be allowed to post garbage on their on their instagram feeds if they want to sure i'm never going to say that there should be laws against doing that however there should be uh, ways that we can make people feel safer and make people feel like they aren't under threat and under attack. Uh-huh. And so if you do have that microphone, if you do have that, you know, huge audience that a baseball player has, unfortunately, I think that your boss does have the right to tell you. Don't oh, yeah. Oh, no, carpet. listen, there, there, there's a big distinction um, between freedom of speech and freedom of consequence. If you represent a company uh, and a brand, there's a penalty for for shouting fire in a crowded theater. There's a there's exactly. a penalty if you are, uh, you know, wear a brand of me, a radio station, um, Anthony Bass, a, a, a baseball team, somebody else, a political party. There's a brand and, and you're going to get called on the carpet if you if you're harmful to it. I want to get an update. I got about four minutes left with you. I want to update um, Hanlon's point. I think we talked to you in late February. I think we talked to you even just a couple weeks after John Tory resigned, but there's still an element of um, of the of the gay community worried about the future. Is there any update about this historic space on your end? There's a fantastic update. So uh, when there was that question around what was going to happen with Hanlon's Point, was there going to be this uh, this concert festival venue put in there? Would people be displaced from this historic site? And just to reiterate, in case anyone doesn't remember, Hanlon's Point is Canada's oldest surviving queer space, nearly a century of history there. It is a place that where the first pride occurred. It is a, a cultural uh, gathering place for the queer community. And uh, we did get that uh, that concert festival venue. We worked with city staff. They realized that it was a misstep. Everyone's been super open to finding ways to now support and promote and enshrine this history that's been there for so long in ways that work for the community. And so much so, actually, that we uh, were able to work with 
City Council, our organization, we had so many fantastic meetings with people uh, and introduced a motion to have it formally recognized as Canada's oldest surviving queer space. That is the City of Toronto saying that. So if someone from Vancouver thinks that they can outdo us, please, by all means. But uh, (laughs) I think that uh, there's a ground solve support from City Council and that motion passed unanimously. And so that means that now city staff are are really formally working on ways Mm. to respect that and honor that. That means that there will be a sign up there, a historic plaque for the very first time. Is it, It's small beans, yes, but that also means that that community can feel safer in that space that they've inhabited for so long. So I, I know I want to talk to you at some point later in the month um, about Pride in general, maybe even next week. But Mark Saunders, I'm going to bring this up because I have gay friends of mine who are just apoplectic that he's running. But to that same extent, I think you can bring up his record. I think you can bring up things that he definitively got wrong or didn't take responsibility for. I, I wouldn't try and again, I'm, I, I wouldn't try and show up at his house and protest him running is what they say. But what is your opinion of it? Can people just judge him on his record? And you got, you, you and others can certainly point out all the things he got wrong and, and an element of insensitivity. How do you view his candidacy? Yeah, so we've had meetings with all the major candidates uh, to explain the the importance of queer history, the importance of queer safety. And I did speak to uh, Mark himself. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that there you would have to be blind to be the guy who posted yesterday, Happy Pride. And every single comment afterwards was saying, don't don't say that, (laughs) you know, Um, and I think that he's definitely aware that he has a lot of work to do to win back the trust of the LGBTQ community. But if he doesn't, um, if he doesn't, does he get called out the same way? Is he, I'm asking because of the past, Travis, is he damned if he does, damned if he doesn't? How do you view that? I think that the actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, for, for someone who does have that track record and that history of letting the community down, um, it would take something, uh, it would take some, some actions in order to, to win back that trust as opposed to just a, a tweet. Um, and I think that I, based on the conversation that I had with him, um, that, that there are work, there is work that's being done for an LGBT platform in his campaign. Um, and I'm excited to hear what it's like when it's finalized. Um, I do know that, uh, you know, we've had a little bit of say on like saying, hey, maybe you should respect a little bit of that queer history and maybe you should find some uh, non-police ways to have community driven safety protocols for different areas in the city, like uh, like the village or like Hamlin's Point. And yeah. uh, I think that yeah. that I hope that that resonated. Um, and it sounds like it sounds like he knows that he has an uphill battle. Uh, and I'll say that about him. Uh, that it's, it's definitely not a head in the sand type thing. Mm-hmm. There are all the candidates, though, have been all the major candidates have been very receptive towards finding ways to uh, to enshrine queer safety and uh, and history in their in their platform. Well, let's talk again before voting day. Great pleasure having you on. And I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Thanks so much for this. All right. Thank you. Travis Myers, uh, part of Hands Off Handlins. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm not good with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay, here's my story. I want to hear what Sheba and Gord say about this. We want to hear what you say about this as well. I don't even think you have to be a parent uh, to have this sort of moral dilemma here. So let me lay this out. I'll do it as quickly as I can. TFC match against uh, Chicago Fire Wednesday night. I'm there with my 15-year-old. We are sitting in the overhang on the second deck. So right below us is the first level. But there's a little bit of a gap there with with like a like a, a like a structure or whatever. So you're not directly below, but basically 
we see, we look down, there's like six or seven, I think nine-year-olds there in the row. And they're all doing stupid stuff, bottle flips and whatnot and shoving each other and all that stuff. Um, but then my 15-year-old's like, look, that kid's spitting. So I look and he's leaning over that that sort of area and spitting and I'm like and I want to get a better view so I lean my head over and I see that most of it's ending up on the on sort of the barrier there but some of it either by design or by accident is definitely going down onto people in the first level Sheba and Gord so I I he's like you got to say something. He goes, and I, um, I go, well, I could. I go, you don't want to, eh? And he goes, he goes, no, I'd punch him. And I'm like, son, the Brady way isn't <laughs> violence. And we can't have you dragged out of here in handcuffs. And then it's awkward. And then I explain who I am. And that will make it worse. Trust me. And all that stuff. So should I have spoken up? I see the dad. He's on his phone. He ain't paying that much attention to the match. He's the dad of one of the kids. So Sheba, I got two issues right there. One He's outnumbered by a lot. I understand that. Two, he's not paying much attention to what the kids are doing. But three, it's spitting down on innocent human beings at the Toronto FC game. Should I have gone over and told the dad that that this is happening? Yes, is like if I, I should have in and if I should not have out, should I have been proactively helping that person, not even parent per se, but supervise? What do you say? Okay, I know how much you absolutely hate confrontation. And I know. I, oh, I can see we get it. that it on tape, please? Anxiety. Good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I see the anxiety in you and you, the way you talk about things. So for you to go up to this dad who's on his phone and tell him, hey, listen, your kid's being a jerk. I know how difficult that would be for you. If by the third time I saw that happening, maybe the second, I wouldn't go to the dad. I would look at the kid loud enough for the dad to hear and be like, hey, can you stop spitting on people down there? And what I don't understand is I wonder if people were able to feel the spit on their heads. So I'm absolutely in. You You go to the dad, but first you go to the kid. And while you're talking to the kid, you look at the dad and let him know. And the issue here is what if the dad does nothing? Then, I don't know, then I might escalate. I might become security for the area. I don't know what. But I'm in. Go uh, over and tell that parent. I like how you lay that out. And I, 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 think that's, I think that's the way to go. Gord, there's always the risk. The dad seemed, how, how do I look at somebody and think, well, they're, you know, mild-mannered me, like totally mild-mannered is zero, an absolute psychotic, meaning 10. I would lean a two, so I think he's mild-mannered. But I risk going, listen, I never do this, but here's me telling you, make that kid stop spitting. What would you have done? Yeah, I'm I'm in as well because I have I do have confrontational issues I'd rather just keep to myself. <laughs> so you I scream at me at nine o'clock every morning. <laughs> You're different. Oh, okay, sure. Well I'd, I'd A I'd give a death stare, which I'm pretty good at. Yeah, you but are actually there. B, I would yes. uh, I would go to the dad and just say, Hey, listen. Right. And then see, I just Sheba said something that I thought you said, go to the security and let them handle it because that's their job. I know. But I pointed out to them and say, hey, listen, you know, or look, look, we're going to have like a hundred texts in on this. I'm sure of this. What would you have done? Here's my drawback with security. So kids spitting. I see him. There's no question he's doing it, whether he's doing it accidentally or not and getting it on the people down below. I can't say for sure, but he's nine. So he's a numbskull. A nine-year-old boy is, by definition, a numbskull. (laughs) So that said, my only worry about security is 
then it looks like I'm trying to get him kicked out. And uh. I'm trying to give him I don't think they're gonna kick the I don't think they're gonna kick all seven of them out. I don't think that. But I mean, maybe if they were like firing a pellet gun down below, they would be. Were you sitting in front of them or behind but them? But side, right beside, beside they're, oh, they're directly okay. to the right so, of yeah. me. Yeah, because if you oh. yeah, if you were yeah. in front of them, then you face uh, retribution. And you them. know it's pronounced because I've had <laughs> neck pain like you can't believe the last three and a half weeks. I'm turning sideways like the like the Terminator. <laughs> That's right. Here I'm going to do it again. This is Toronto today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news today's talk six forty Toronto. Our in out earlier today was me at Toronto FC. My 15 year old spurred me into inaction. And inactivity. Look, we went to the game. We, we, we weren't bed rotting. We left our house. We went to the soccer game. And then I saw an eight-year-old kid spitting from the top, like the the sort of the seats hanging over the first deck. And he was spitting, if not accidentally, certainly on purpose, a couple times down into, I'm sorry to tell you this, into the uh, first section. If you were sitting down by the end that um, the Toronto FC uh, defended in the first half, you may have gotten wet. That wasn't a raindrop. It's bad. And I didn't know what to do. And you're all uh, saying the same thing. Um, uh, Texter out. Go to security. Dude is incompetent and he might be nuts. Let security deal. I'm like, well, he is nuts taking seven, eight year old boys to a sporting event. I'll give you that. Um, Spitting in an adult life or fight is considered assault. You're right. Greg, did you actually not say something to that dad? I know I'm taking it really. You're acting like I witnessed a murder and I've covered it up and didn't say anything. It maybe is not quite like that. Um, yeah, I would have told the kids the same as Sheba. It takes a village. And you told me what exactly? What should I have done? I You should have said something to the kid and the dad. And here's here's my favorite text on this. You're a chicken, Greg. <laughs> Plain or, and simple. <laughs> yell down at the kid. This is a little extreme. I don't. This is a nine-year-old boy. Somebody texted. Yell down at the kid to knock the crap out. Oh. Then you shake the dad and say, "What the heck? If my mm. kid, if my kid spits at you, you would be helping out people around. Yeah, sure, you're helping out people downstairs. But I mean, I do think that you should have said something. I know you hate confrontation. It makes you very uncomfortable. Sometimes it gives you anxiety. I see that. <laughs> I see this happen from time to time. <laughs> But uh, I think you should, it does take a village. I do agree with that. You should have said something to the kid. Now you know for next time. We're all rooting for you. We're all cheering for you. We want to hear what you do the next time. I was was this close. I really was this close uh, at the end of the day. And again, going to get security feels a little like a tattling, like a ratting him out moment. And the dad may have had his head in his phone for maybe it was something important. Maybe he's a doctor on call, Gord. Maybe he's like, maybe he's a, a surgeon and he's getting back to people. He's, I was going to say was Harrison Ford in The Fugitive, but he was yeah. falsely accused of murder. Of murder. No, you're really grasping. I really strong. am. Um, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan writes me on Twitter. Uh, you totally should have said something. Go get a TFC usher or attendant. Um, and I told him I was really close, and he just wrote, you crack me up. But I'm not trying to crack him up. I'm really embarrassed that I didn't move sooner on this. I will tell you a quick story. A friend of mine. Uh, is at a hotel swimming pool once with his like nine, t- 10 year old at the time. And there's a 16 year old in there with his girlfriend, but he doesn't like the language the 16 year old boy is using. It's it's F bomb this, F bomb that, some S words, S's, C's, lots of consonants Whoa. are happening. Yeah. And oh, so wow. he goes over to the 16 year old and says, swims over, which is awkward because it takes you a while to get there. It's like you're kind of like walking in the pool. Oh, you know, right. you walk over to somebody in the pool itself. You can't storm over to someone in the pool. You're both shirtless. It just becomes this awkward process. <laughs> and he says, hey, like basically tidy it up. Well, next thing you know, they're wrestling. The 16-year-old <gasps> and him get into And that's the last thing 
I didn't want to, and, and so I can't <laughs> go over to the nine-year-old and have the nine-year-old kick me in the shins because I can't touch him back, and nor would I ever. And I can't have the dad like grab me by the. I, it, he looked like a dad that would not take a front, but he'd be humiliated and mortified. And as you said, Stiba, I'm mortified um, when the wind blows the wrong way. So right away, I I didn't know if I did the right thing there. I wasn't sure. Okay, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. What if you were one of the people at the bottom who was getting spit (laughs) on? What would you have done? I I don't even like you look up and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I uh, like I don't know. I, I had a bird, Exhibition Stadium. I had a seagull absolutely plop one on me on yeah. the, on my bare leg wearing shorts in August of 1987, and I've never forgotten it. That happened to me. Oh, my goodness. It's not a small – you know the drops you see on cars? This is like five <laughs> times that. Yeah. This is like the okay, size. That's a bird, though. That's gonna I, happen. I think that's happened to all. It was probably good luck. I don't know if it was for you, but let's just assume for most people. But I, I don't think. Mm. I think if there's a child, you look up and you see the kids' saliva coming I down know. on you. You need to throw I, down. I think so. I think so. And popcorn. I don't know if you would do popcorn or not. I'll tell you a story. Once at a uh, Detroit Tigers game, I bit into a sausage, and what? And the sausage was sort of so tight that it like a hot kind of liquidy thing came off the sausage. It hit this woman right in front of me in the back of the neck, and she looked around, and I just pretended I was not there. Like, I wasn't like, hey, that was... Because you don't want to say to her, hey, that's from my sausage. First of all, the phrasing is not great. And secondly, it would have been true. (laughs) So I need to cover up my... I'm a pretty honest person, but I need to cover up my crime at that point in time. Because she's like, you burn my neck. Yeah. Here's a great text. Next time... Take a woman. That's great. That would have cleared it up. The woman would have stepped up. She would have put that little boy in his place. She would have looked at the dad and said, get off of Twitter and take care of these seven boys, please. Mrs. Brady is an award-winning newspaper journalist. She asks the hard <laughs> questions. She ain't going over to that dad and telling him that kid is is uh, horking, as we used to say in school. I don't know if the kids still say that. Um, down below. All right. Great text on this. Thank you so much. I, I will try and work on my uh, my chickenisms over the weekend and come back a stronger, stronger man on Monday. Um, this happened a year ago today. You heard this a lot. It's important to note. Look out. Yeah. Just in case you forgot. Shiva, you're, all 10 of your toes are tapping right now. Don't lie. They are. Don't Beautiful, lie. Soothing, calm voice. <laughs> Wish I had a montage of all the stuff I've done. Here it comes. Yeah. Coming out, out of nowhere, underdog story. <laughs> Deco labels. I, 83 seats. All right. Yeah, that's Doug Ford's song. Um, he won uh, the election a year ago today. I was at, you know, famously, I did uh, a couple TV hits with uh, Alan Carter and Farah Nasser at the uh, conservative uh, headquarters. And I'm telling you, Sheba, when they were get, he wasn't ready to come on stage yet, but they they introduced him. They This song played, ele- it's only about a minute and a half long, and they played it like 11 straight times. So I knew every oh, word wow. by the end of the night. But I'm going to tell Mart Styles. I'm going to tell, I don't know, whoever, Naders, Can Smith, Bonnie Crumbie. Get a song going. Like don't, it's never too early to start. Get your song ready, Gord. Right? Music brings people together. Yeah, and that's a that's a banger. Oh yeah, I mean I I, I totally like it.
You go from 67 seats to 83 seats. Some of them are because of that song. Yeah, say it didn't work. <laughs> evidence proves otherwise. You know, listen, my my bucket list in life, one of them, one of these items on my bucket list is to go to Ford Fest. So somehow I need to get an invitation to Ford Fest. Or even without an invitation, I'll just show you cra- up. You crash it. You crash it. Uh, Shiba crashing Ford Fest would be, uh, it, it's not a long, it's not necessarily the longest drive either. Gord, Gord rolled his eyes when you, Gord wants to see your entire bucket list. He's like, if Ford Fest is on it, yeah. what else is there? <laughs> That's you just up. saw the Alaskan coastline. You saw... Wales yeah. and and you've you've been to the Louvre like what's what how could Ford Fest be on your bucket list? It sounds like so much fun. <laughs> All right, should we do um should we do weekend walk around and get out on time? We'll leave the Indiana Jones stuff. I'm very upset about yeah, we the still got time early for reviews for Indiana Jones. Oh, Rick Zamperin's twenty seconds. Do you want to do that? Sure. So Rick Zamperin's our colleague in Hamilton. He hosts a show, um, you know, in creatively called Good Morning Hamilton because that would be that reminds him to say that sometimes I don't say Good Morning Toronto enough. And uh, and and Rick Zamperin was upset. Brad Bradford, I don't know if you saw this. Now that we're back to being jovial about the campaign, yesterday was tense. Brad Bradford has a campaign sign that says you don't have to move to Hamilton. So, and I get what he's saying, to, and he means work in Toronto and not live here because he's a Hamiltonian originally as well. So Rick Zamperin on Good Morning Hamilton didn't like that very much. In a recent speech about the housing crisis, Toronto mayoral candidate Brad Bradford said, quote, you don't have to move to Hamilton. Should Hamiltonians take that as a slight or a compliment because so many Torontonians have already moved to our city? Hmm. Fair question. Yeah. I'm looking at the sign right now. You don't have to move to Hamilton is he's plugging it into somebody's uh, front lawn here in the, in the city proper. I think it's a terrible sign. I think shots are fired there. I mean, poor Hamilton. I feel very bad for them. And there are many people who have left Toronto to move to Hamilton. Here's the irony. Brad Bradford was raised in Ancaster, which is like a hop skip away from Hamilton. Yeah. So he knows the neighborhood very well. <laughs> Whatever he has against Hamilton, whoever broke his heart in Hamilton, oh, leave boy. them out of it. Yeah. Like Andrea Horvath, when she, she was in Queens Park for 10 years as NDP leader. If she'd said that, you can never go back home and get elected mayor. If that's a, if that's in the Bradford playbook in 2038, that's someone's going to have a photo of that sign. All right, we got a quick minute and a half here for the Toronto Today Weekend Walk Around. We give you somewhere to go, something to do in our amazing city or the 905, if you will, 647, all that stuff. Uh, Gore, let's start with you. What can we do this weekend? Tomorrow is International Tabletop Day, and that's like board games and stuff. So you can go in any location at Snakes and Lattes around the city, and you can enjoy Snakes and what? Lattes. Okay. Oh, you know, it's like, amazing. Like is Snakes it? and Ladders. Been. Remember Snakes and Ladders? As a kid, you must have played. You yeah, must have but I've never snake played Snakes and Lattes. I, like, you get up, it's you, a place. No, it's a place. I know that. I, I'm aware <laughs> of that. I've just never played the game before. I know there's no game. Sorry, yeah. I'm screwing this up. <laughs> you can go there. You can get some food, some drinks, and some raffle prizes and celebrate. Uh, board game day. Sheba, where to this weekend? Okay, tomorrow is the 17th annual Desi Fest 2023. This is a South Asian music festival. Young in Dundas Square from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. 
fantastic food, dance, shopping. It's a mix of all kinds of things. They get tens of thousands of attendees every year. And it's a great way to just showcase South Asian culture and break down stereotypes and biases in a really fun way. Okay, Brampton, Kite Fest, kicking in tomorrow. Kite Fest, costs 5 to $10. Go to the Brampton Fairgrounds. It's an eco-friendly, family-friendly event. So don't throw your kites in the garbage if they if they work. That would be me. I could never get fly, fly a kite properly. But you can go 5 to $10.00 general admission bring your own kites or watch those professional flyers those snobby kite flyers just paint the skies like they're freaking picasso with their choreographed performances the rest of us are just lucky to get it 20 feet into the air